like Batman, I need my prep time. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, in what's kind of been unusual for this channel, channel, are we a channel? Podcast, whatever you want to call it, lately, is to just kind of do a normal show. It's been so much focused on this competitive, hardcore TTS stuff, and it seems like y'all have been enjoying that, so much appreciated there, but we've got kind of a normal episode today. And joining me from way across the land and sea is the one and only John Harris. What's happening, my man? Not too bad. How are you I'm doing wonderful. I'm really glad to have you back on with us. And then, of course, Aaron Collier. What's happening from the Web Warriors Protocols? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, Will. Glad to have you guys back. And it's been a little bit of a minute. I, I think uh, normally we try to get these shows with you guys kind of towards the beginning of a month, but for whatever reason, you know, with scheduling and all that stuff, it's kind of taken a little bit extra time. Yeah, we've had to push it back a little bit, haven't we? Oh, yeah. But that's, you know, that's how it goes. Life is going to life, you know, it's, it is what it is. But uh, I'm really glad to have y'all with me. And for those of you that might not know who Aaron is within the community, John, you you are... You deserve a lot of pomp and circumstance, don't get me wrong, but Aaron's the number one ranked player in Crisis Protocol, according to Longshanks. Will, I'm not anymore. What? Did you bring this up on purpose? Because yeah, well, this is amazing. Well, that, that hurt, Will. That hurt. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. I totally didn't bring this up on purpose. No, me not definitely no. I don't plan things out. I shoot from the hip. Y'all know this. Yeah, man. Uh, so currently, I'm now second ranked on Longshanks because mm. I played Pat Dumpford on there. Uh, we had a really good game over at Element, and it came down to a dice roll on Sword Base. So Pat just managed to edge it out. So because he's he's currently only got 20 games on Longshanks, and uh, he's only lost one. So at the minute, if Pat doesn't play any other games, there's no way to overtake him. And because he beat me, he jumped straight to the top spot. Nice, nice. Well, that's crazy and awesome. And I guess uh, that's the end of the show, guys. Sorry. Uh, John, you can hang out. Aaron, you got to go. Yeah, no worries. I'm out. <laughs> See, you get around 40 seconds, you can go on all the casts. When you're no longer first, you're not my man. That's it. That's it. You, you've lost your luster. I don't know what it is. But no, uh, it's just really, that's, that's crazy. I hadn't heard that for real. So, like, that's really awesome. And... You know, I'm. I believe in your ability to reclaim the title. I mean, I, I should be okay. I finally got over t- uh, the hundred game limit on long chunks, so I think I'm now 104 wins to four losses. So I'm doing okay. Oh yeah, you you you're doing fine. I think you're doing fine. <laughs> so, what we're going to talk about today, suits, is kind of a little bit of a more competitive discussion. I know, I know, it's crazy. But we'll try to kind of 
break this down for everyone from competitive to the more casual people that might just be getting into this game and have might have heard tales of the Marvel Crisis Protocol boogie people. And when I say the boogie people, John, who am I talking about? You are not talking about grunts, as some of us may assume, because the two <laughs> of us are on the show. We are 100% talking about Black Cat, Voodoo, and Thanos. Yeah, so these characters have been making the rounds lately in terms of the the to-be-feared category of characters. And what inspired me to discuss these characters with the two of you specifically was Aaron made a Facebook post on the Web Warriors Protocols Facebook page. And it's not one of the articles, it's just a post that he made. And I'm going to kind of go through that today because it was a really insightful thing and I think it's interesting. And it's one of those, like, when we have this discussion and when we're talking about characters that might be over the curve, might be concerning, however, whatever phrase you want to use, I think that data really helps with that. So Aaron had an event and he thinks that Voodoo, Black Cat, or Aaron, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It says uh, that everyone is clearly shouting that both Voodoo, Black Cat are broken. And he says he's not disputing it. And then Thanos is also being splashed like crazy. And it says in the top five from today, who... The top the the top five there are seven and oh, six and one, and five, one and one from an event. You have Thanos in four lists, Black Cat in four lists, Voodoo in one list. Black Cat was affiliated in three of her four rosters. Thanos was affiliated in one of his four, not counting Pat, as he only had Thanos and Bucky there. And then there were nine rosters that had Thanos in total. And only three of them were Black Order, again, not counting Pat. And the nine players who had Thanos placed 42nd, 33rd, 27th, 22nd, 7th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, and 1st. And all of this discussion, like, that's just a very, that's one event, it's one data set, but... I think that it is valid in that when we're talking about characters, I think, Aaron, you break it down in a really good way of like not just looking at them in totality, like saying, well, there was nine instances of Thanos in a 12-person event. It's thinking about it also in the there were nine instances of Thanos and only three of them were affiliated. How do you feel about kind of breaking it down in that way versus versus the totality of it? I think when you give the totality of how much you see a certain character, it can skew opinions a little bit. Just purely because, for example, if you were to say, oh my God, Steve Rogers is being taken absolutely everywhere because at a 24-man event, 23 people had him, it wouldn't actually be that shocking if you found out that... 22 of those 23 people were playing Avengers because he's kind of important there. So um, having the sort of reference to say, in comparison, however, if it was on World Steve within 23 of those rosters and then you were to find out that only four of them could have played Avengers, 
then it shows that actually he's been splashed in 19 of them. He, he, he's been taken as a splash piece, which is a huge difference to him being in 22 rosters where he's the leader because he's got to be there. Exactly. And, and I think that that is where I want to think about this discussion from right. with all three of these characters because I think that it's the one point of discussion that I don't see made around these characters whenever somebody's talking about them as boogie people. So, John, have you run into any of these where you've had a particularly remember, uh, memorable, rememberable, rememberable, yes, experience? Um, I've run into all of these multiple times. Um, I have some exceptionally fond experiences of running into them, and I have some rather traumatic experiences of running into them. Um, I tend at the moment through games to run into Black Cat and Thanos more, I think. Um, Thanos, for myself, playing X-Men is a bit of a problem. I'm assuming we'll come on to what he can do, but I don't really have anything that can counter some of his shenanigans or really take him down in any kind of way. Um, so looking at how to go against him is difficult because he just seems to move me around all over the place and then I'm hoping for the best. Right. Um, and Black Cat is, you know, standard Felicia Hardy. She doesn't really need to do a great deal. She just double long moves, steals some stuff, and then, you know, she's doing what she needs to be doing. Or she's handing out Stagger to a key piece for a really small amount of power and running off. I think, you know, she's wonderful to have on your side. Not so great to see on the other side of the board. Um, and then Voodoo, to be honest, is the one I've had the least problems with, which may surprise people. Um, but Voodoo seems to have a problem with my Deadpool. Like every time there is a voodoo on the other side of the table, Deadpool will bang, 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 and then he will act, and then he'll have a second action, and he will bang, and he will bang, bang, and he will bang, 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 and Brother Voodoo, <laughs> Doctor Voodoo, just falls over, and that's happened three times now to the point we had like six or seven people at one event around the table going, yeah, he's just one shotted him off the board. That's wonderful. That's a lot of banging from Deadpool there, but uh, yeah, when he when he bangs off, it it's so much fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great fun when he goes to the point like you know when other tables are now watching Deadpool go bang bang. There were great times happening. Exactly, exactly. So you mentioned talking about what these characters do, and for anyone that's been in this game for a long time, you kind of know the book on it. But I'm gonna break it down a little bit for people that might just be coming into Crisis Protocol and for people that maybe don't have a lot of exposure to these characters in their meta. And let's start with the Mad Titan himself, Thanos. So he is naturally a six-threat character, and he's only got two attacks, but he has a ton of stamina, eight stamina on his healthy side and nine on his injured side, and then he has a superpower that allows him to reduce the damage suffered by one. No minimum of one. So he's rather tanky. And then he has an ability called the Cosmic Portal, only on his healthy side, where he has to choose another character that is within range four of him, and he's on a 50 millimeter base, and he can place the chosen character within two of its current position. Notice it is choose another character. Friendlies, enemies doesn't matter then there's the death's decree so another allied character within range four of thanos gets to add dice to their attacks um 
leaving a couple things out because it's not particularly important, but just remember adding dice and moving people around. Now, what makes Thanos additionally special is that he has access to every kind of Infinity Gem in Marvel Crisis Protocol. Some are a little stronger than others, and depending on where you play, it depends on kind of what you're going to see more. And the kind of main configurations of Thanos are going to be some combination of mind, space, and reality. So the mind gem, it does some fun things, and that is the mind gem is within range three, you can advance a character short. So Thanos has to get to within range three and advance someone short. The space gem, it is for himself or allied characters, he can use it to move them, portal them, place them within range two. The reality gem counts one skull result in a roll as a critical. And it's important to note that it is in a roll. So if you're rolling for something like Kree Core or the sword base or the alien ship, that already said that one, the scrolls, those skulls can count as critical results, which is pretty good. And also makes the uh, attacks hit that much harder. So those are kind of the main configurations of Thanos. And um, one of the kind of plays with Black Order specifically, but this isn't unique to them. He can Thanos can still do this even if he's not in Black Order and it's still pretty bad. But in Black Order specifically, it's called the Kidnap. And what that is is Thanos basically is able to move up and get to someone who is just in front of your deployment line and move them closer to him slash his murder bots. And it can usually make for a bad time. And it's also important to note, I didn't say this a second ago, when Thanos uses a gem superpower, he doesn't have to pay the power for it. So for the mind gem and the space gem, they normally cost some power, not for Thanos. So, gentlemen, Aaron, I want to talk to you first about this. How do you feel about this this character as a sixth threat base, but when you start throwing all these gems on there, he becomes an eighth threat? And And how would you describe what he does to new players? Um, so, first of all, I don't think you'll ever see Thanos um, as his naked six-threat form. Uh, you'll always be seeing him with two stones, which is, as you said, it's a combination of stones. The combination will it, it will always have the space stone, and then it's whether the, the second stone is mind or reality. Um, and the only way I can describe it is very unpleasant to play against <laughs> because... It's like having the control of a Web Warriors team all in one character. So it just feels absolutely bonkers. Um, I picked up Thanos a few weeks ago just to try him out. Um, I haven't used him in any tournaments or anything. I've only used him in about three or four games. And every time I've used him, he's just an absolute force multiplier because um, he really doubles down on the control. Like I said, he feels like having a the control of the web warriors in one model and then adding even more dice to the attacks around him just makes him feel <laughs> very unpleasant to play against. I mean, I suppose he's the mad Titan. He's an eight threat character. 
But if you compare him to Dormammu, who's an eight threat character, there is a vast difference in in uh, power levels there. Yeah, for sure. I, I can agree with you there. And John, how do you feel about seeing a Thanos on the other side of the table? I mean, do you, do you just kind of brace yourself for what's about to happen? Yeah, I think that's kind of where I've got to. Um, is I don't really have a great way in kind of the X-Men roster that I've been running now for a long while in dealing with a Thanos. I can't really stop most of his movement shenanigans. I can't stop him moving me off points or pulling me closer in. It's mission specific as to whether I even want to go anywhere near the middle of the board that first turn, because obviously they're usually running if it's Black Order, less activations. So they're going to pull somebody in and have a good swamp and take somebody out. I have lost the Wolverine turn one that way. Um, but I think the issue is at the moment he's splashed in so many other things. So, I mean, I played the weekend against him in Black Order. I also played against him in Guardians of the Galaxy, where they were running a really wide list with a Thanos. And it was like, well, actually, I've now got to worry about securing points and Thanos moving me in and moving me around. Um, he's just very, very difficult. I feel I've got a bit of a better idea of how to avoid him or how to take him down now. But once you take him down, Death's Decree on the other side just becomes better. And then he's adding additional dice to other people. And it's just, I he just becomes awkward. Yeah, so it's interesting. The Death's Decree on his injured side doesn't really matter for him. It's on it's if you start dazing well, his buddies. I think what what John meant is more the fact once you've taken him down and he comes back with say six, seven power power three power for the turn. Yes. The fact that he's gonna be using that death decree every turn for for a round at least. Absolutely. That, that's I think what John meant by um the change with Death Decree, just that it comes online and suddenly it becomes so redundant because you can just throw the power at it and boost everyone's attacks. Absolutely, yeah. It can be pretty nasty. And one of the things that you have to think about when you're playing a Thanos is you've either got to get rid of his people before they can really do you in, or you've got to get him flipped. And and these are these are two things that are both very hard to do and come with their very own consequences and for instance, the reason why I think going after Thanos is the best thing to do. Now, now don't throw four dice attacks at him. I mean, he's just going to laugh those off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all this for a drop of blood. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I would recommend not doing that. But uh, if you can, try to try to get him down. Because once he's on his injured side, his cosmic portal goes away. So it really limits his control. Still not not to the point of uh, where it makes it not good. He's still good, but it limits his control that much more. So definitely trying to focus him down is a good play. But we talked about splash ability of Thanos, and that's really where I want to take this conversation now because that Black Order matchup, I mean, okay, Thanos, Corvus Proxima, that equals 16 threat if you're playing Corvus with a reality gem and it can be pretty nasty but we kind of know what that's about but when we look at something like a Guardians roster right he's pretty splashable into Guardians you look at mind and space Thanos or you know space and reality Thanos eight threat and then you've got Star-Lord that's three threats so that takes you to 11 then you've got 
Rocket, and Groot, and that'll take you to 16 there. And that seems like a pretty good 16. And then if you throw in a Nebula, you've got 18, and she's pretty nasty with Thanos. And you can kind of keep sprinkling in different things here and there to kind of make things work. And yeah, I think that that sounds pretty disgusting to me. But that's that list I played against. It was that list which came up and it was just like, oh, okay, here we go. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, and, and you're, you know, another thing that you have to think about when you see a Thanos on the board, especially with, with the way that he's there to kind of set things up for everybody else. Most of the time he can still do some damage himself. So you're going to have to brace for that as well. And, and realizing you're going to lose models. You know, going into the, a match with Thanos on the board, accept the fact that you're going to lose people. It's whether or not you can mitigate those losses to turn the tide in your favor. Because you're not going to win the long-term attrition game against Thanos Guardians or Black Order and stuff like that. You know, if you're playing Web Warriors with Thanos, you can maybe kind of weather some of the storm a little bit because that's a little bit of a different game. It's a little bit more control-focused instead of massive damage focused. Not that you can't play the damage game because of that death decree, but I'm just saying. I think that it, it there's a lot of different things you have to factor in, but for me, the biggest way I've overcome looking at Thanos is to think to myself, I'm going to lose someone, but I've got to be able to get the most out of the rest of my characters and and be okay with that, you know? And you, John, you mentioned losing a Wolverine right away. I'm sure that the, the play went like this. Wolverine gets tractor beamed in, he gets dazed, and then before he gets a chance to activate on turn two, he's KO'd, right? That's exactly what happened. He had to go up because it was a scroll, and, you know, he had to go and try and find a scroll. There was only, you know, Thanos and Corvus left to go. One of them's got a reality stone. I don't really want to lose the scroll. And that's exactly what happened. Wolverine found it. He double moved to the center and Thanos went, thank you very much. Over you come. I'll have a bit of a pound. Corvus will have a go. Job's over. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about him splashing into other affiliations and why we're seeing so much of that, especially in the competitive scene. And Aaron, do you think you have any insight into that? Yeah, I think the main reason for it is that previously, um, for anyone that's been playing Marvel for a while, you'll know that Thanos would take up three slots in your roster because he'd, he'd be bringing his two gems and they'd both occupy a slot in your team. Now, however, you sort of pre-configure your Thanos with your selection of gems, uh, attach them to him sort of in as part of building your roster, and he only takes up one slot. So he it, it's so easy to take a nine-character roster plus Thanos. And I think that's the problem. And with how efficient he can be in almost any affiliation is what creates a huge issue. Because as an opponent as well, when you come up against a roster that's already nine characters that are very strong and have the potential to do some really interesting things, and then you realise that the 10th model's Thanos, you're kind of in a really tough position because you don't know whether you're building to go against, say, a super wide roster or whether you're going to be coming up against a more tuned roster with Thanos. And, you, and there's no insight into whether you are until you've already picked your team. And I think that's something that heavily skews the strength of Thanos because you might look at a roster, say, uh, a Cabal roster. You know, if it's got Sin, Crossbones, 
uh, Mystique, a bunch of threes and some twos, and then the tenth character is Thanos, and you you get something like nineteen or twenty threat. You could be going up against eleven threat of Cabal plus Thanos. We could be going up against eight wide Cabal, and you're not going to know. And Oof. it's so hard to plan because if you accidentally plan to be playing against the eight wide list and then suddenly you have to deal with Thanos instead, you're at a huge disadvantage right from the start. That sounds nasty. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Like it sounds like a lot of fun, but it also sounds really tough to deal with. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head with that of the splash ability means just what do you do? It happened to me in my cuts game where I saw Thanos and Black Order in my opponent's list. He really didn't intend to play those characters except for a very specific instance, but I didn't know that. So all of my pre-game thought process was thinking about Thanos and Black Order and thinking less about the Guardians in the list. You know, and I felt okay into Guardians, but I realize now I should have done more prep time. You know, I'm like Batman, I need my prep time. So <laughs> one of the other really horrid combos that we've seen a lot uh, locally, at least me and John, is Thanos in Brotherhood. It's such a pain. 19 threat, for example. You could be coming up against Mystique, Toad, Gambit, uh, I don't know, Scarlet Witch, and a couple of other free threats. Or you could be coming up against Thanos, Magneto, and Juggernaut. And it's so hard because there's, there's nothing you can do. If, if you prep for the wrong one, you're going to really struggle to deal with to deal with the other. Yeah, and that brings me to another question. When you see a Thanos and you see his splash ability into some other rosters like that, do you feel like that that's an instance where you have to look at it and you have to say, I'm going to play my game and I'm going to do what I do and try to make your really tall models situation deal with me? Or do you feel like trying to think that through and trying to think about what your opponent might do is the better play, John? I like to try and play what it is I was going to play. Um, I like to try and at least look at the board and think, okay, even with the Mad Titan stood over there with all his portals and his free gems and everything else, I like to think I can at least, unless it scrolls or something along the centre line, try and get turn one done the same way that I normally would. But I maybe have to compensate to lose one piece from that centre line to Thanos. But the rest of my characters are going to do what they would normally do turn one. And it's from turn two onwards that I probably have to be prepared to change the game plan up to try and deal with Thanos in some way, shape or form. Because I can't, you can't just ignore him. You ignore him and he's just going to move you around all the place. He doesn't care whether he's putting out damage or not. He's got to be dealt with turn one. I think you can probably avoid him a little bit, mission specific. But after that, you've really got to start looking at what you're going to do with him. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a really good point there. Uh, Aaron, what about you? So yeah, for me going into it, I... I kind of struggle with that decision at times because, as I said, it's very hard to to be prepared for both. So my sort of go-to answer now if I see a Thanos is I bring out the murder murder duo, which is Corvus and Proxima. And I just go, you know what? If, you, if you've decided to go super wide, that's fine. I'm going to kill everything. And if you haven't gone super wide and you've bought Thanos, it's fine. I'm going to murder him. 
Um, and that sort of more general approach to it at the minute. Nice, nice. I can see that working out pretty good. Yeah, so um, a lot of the games, uh, you, obviously, what, what did you refer to Thanos as? The Kidnapper? Yeah, is that what you said? He's definitely so, the Kidnapper. Uh, yeah, so we all call him Fisherman Thanos because he sort of goes out, casts his loin and reels somebody in. So I sort of try and play him at his own game with the Web Warriors and I'll uh, try and pull him into Corvus Proxima and then just let them set about him and deal with him that way. I love it. And and by the way, I just want to point out the differences in like culture there. You know, we're over here in America, like, you know, what's the nasty thing that we can come up with? Oh, yeah, kidnapper versus over there. It's like, oh, no, it's just a fisherman. It's cool. He's just reeling him in, you know, it's and it's, it's like, yes, yes, yeah, so much better. to. I'm going to start calling him that. He's like, oh, he's a fisherman. I'm probably not yeah, going to say that, but I'm going to try he's it. Not, he's definitely not a kidnapper because we found out this weekend he does not like Honey Badger. Yeah. He, he really doesn't like Honey Badger. Some people, he brings them in and the person goes, you know what? Cool. Now I'm here. <laughs> but yeah, he sort of, he, he fishes for uh, fishes for those characters and then drops them into the shark tank, doesn't he? Which is Corvus Proxima and whoever else he's got next to him. That's it. That's it. So, you know, when we're talking about Thanos as a boogeyman, I don't think that he's a strong character and he is arguably the best control piece in the game, but he does come with a cost, right? Eight threat is a lot to account for. And even if someone's out there being crazy and throwing like a seven threat Thanos out there, you know, like let's say mind or space Thanos, you know, it still comes with a cost. And as a player, you can, leverage the fact that your opponent only has so many activations and one of the best ways to deal with someone like Thanos is to play wide because he's not going to be able to kill everyone in his you know he's not gonna be able to tractor beam everybody and he's not gonna be able to reel them all in he's not gonna be able to kidnap them all we're gonna use all of the uh, synonyms analogies whatever you want to call them so he's not gonna be able to do all of that (laughs) But what you have to do is, you know, think about when you see him on the tabletop and you think about what your opponent's going to do, like Aaron said, you can go murder time, you can play wide, try to flood the board with activations. I mean, I would imagine, John, you play X-Men, so that's probably a strategy that you like to employ, right? Yeah, when I see a Thanos, I like to drop as many three-pointers on the tabletop as possible. Honey Badger 100% makes that list because she can go stand next to him for a little bit so as I can try and put out a little bit more hurt. Um, but it's very unlikely coming across Thanos on the opposite side that I'm going to drop in somebody like Colossus or Rogue or Cable. I'm really looking at somebody like Domino, Gambit, X-23, dropping as many three-pointers in there as I can to try and keep as many people away from him as possible. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I want to express with this discussion is that while he is considered a boogeyman, and we're, we're obviously we've spent basically 30 minutes talking about just how good he is and, and getting all over him. You know what I mean? Just, just drooling all over how good he is and he is great, but he is not so broken to the point that you can't deal with him. And the, the biggest problem, if you want to call it a problem with Thanos is that he can just be splashed anywhere and it's, it's like we talked about, is, is trying to figure out if you're going to have to deal with him or not. That's the hardest thing with him right now, in my humble opinion. And for me, in terms of all the characters that are kind of 
you know, on the curve, above the curve, below the curve, whatever part of the curve you want to talk about. I think Thanos is the most concerning one, but he's also you can't you can deal with him. You you can out activate him, you can beat him down, you know, all of these things. It just takes effort and it takes experience. And that's probably the thing that I would encourage people to try if you're out there trying to level your game up a little bit is play some matches into Thanos. You know, get out there and, and ask your buddies if they would run some Black Order, run some Thanos and Guardians and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. I think the first few times Thanos was opposite the tabletop for me, it felt horrific, particularly when he was running the Black Order faction. There was just nothing you could do. Everything just died. Um, but I think the more and more you see him and the more and more you play against him, the more ways you mitigate that happening for longer. I'm not going to say you stop it because I don't think I've ever found a way to stop Thanos and his Black Order crew going full murder. Um, but you can slow it down and start scoring points and starting to make it a little bit more. Exactly. And it's just that. It's slowing them down. I played a match recently with my convocation into Black Order and it was a, a friend of mine kind of helping me prep for that matchup that never happened. But... I only had, I think, two characters left at the end of the game, but I won on points. And that's kind of what you got to think about is, you know, play the objective, play the points, because especially with Black Order, they're not playing points. But Thanos splashed in other things. You have to account for that. You have to account for the points. You know, the D-shaped scenarios, Thanos is not a fan because he has to choose a side. You know, I particularly like spider portals myself, but that's uh, to each their own there. One of the worst things for me, quickly, before we move on with Thanos as well, is if Thanos manages to find the single extract. Because having Thanos find, say, a scroll to then move away twice and space gem himself at the end of it, he is nigh on impossible to put down. Because you, you, you're chasing him, which is an action or two. And then when you get there, you've got to chew through eight health, reducing damage to zero. And if he's got the reality gem, it's just not going to happen. It's so hard. Yeah. And look, and that's the thing. Like, there are situations where he's just going to beat you, you know? Yep. And, yep. and that's one of them. If he finds a single extract and he's able to double move, teleport himself away, I mean, you you either have to make a choice. It's either chase him down and go do that, or you start playing secure game hard and try to push the advantage where you can. Because if your opponent runs their eight threat model away to where they're not impacting the game as much, that's a good thing for you. You just have to change how you play a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It just it does make it very difficult once it gets started in that direction. Oh yes, oh yes. I, I definitely don't want to make light of the fact that it is a pain. <laughs> but, anyways, so uh, Aaron, any other final thoughts on Thanos? Because, like, again, I, I I don't think we've we've covered all of all of everything that he is per se. But I think the message that I want to get across is mainly that he's strong arguably the best control piece in the game. You have to find a way to deal with him, but you can deal with him. Yeah. So any, um, any final thoughts? Some of my final thought is 
if you go into a game and your plan was to say ignore him, for example, um, and suddenly the opportunity presents itself to actually put him down, I think you need to always be aware of the different options you've got to deal with him and make sure you try and go with the best one. Because if, if you sort of dance between the two, you try and ignore him and half-arsedly put him down, it's not going to work. You're just going to feed him more power. You'll do some damage to him and it won't be enough to put him down. You, you need to pick your plan to deal with him and sort of commit to it, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Another final little point I will make here is if you don't try to go for the DPS, if you don't try to damage him and take him out in that way, one of the things you can do is if you have a lot of control in your list, playing control and making him have to use his portal that's once per turn, his space gem that's once per turn, his mind gem that's once per turn. Yeah, He can't use those over and over and over and over and over again. So making him have to choose how to use those and maybe forcing him into suboptimal choices on those. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you've got access to Stagger as well, Stagger's huge um, at shooting him down. And it, as you said, it's just, you've got to not let him run right. And your goal, whether you're dazing him or whether you're controlling him, is is to essentially just mitigate what he's doing. So however you go about doing that, you just need to reduce the impact that he's having. Because exactly. if, you, if you reduce... How much as an eight threat character, if he only performs like a four threat, that's huge. Whereas if you get the full eight threat value, it's going to be really hard. Exactly, John. What about you? Final thoughts on Thanos? My final thoughts on Thanos are that you should play him in the ultimate encounter instead because it is just far more fun for everybody involved. <laughs> very fair, very fair. In all seriousness, he's a great piece to play with, um, and he's a piece that just takes a lot of practice to try and figure out to go against. But I think for the eighth threat, he probably does what he should. I think because you are paying a chunk of threat for him, I don't think he's horribly broken. I just think he does a hell of a lot that you may not expect. Yeah. I personally feel the need to implement a rule that he can use the effects of the gem for free when playing under his leadership, his own leadership. And I think that would really limit his splash ability a bit more to a more reasonable uh, point. Yeah, no, I could see something like that. Yeah, I, I have no idea how to, like, quote-unquote fix Thanos. Because, again, I, I don't think we are in a world of Crisis Protocol that is, like, crazy broken for any characters. Uh, other people might disagree. Perfectly fine. I understand. But for me, it's I don't think we're quite there. I think Thanos is close. I think he's over that curve. But what is his curve? You know what I mean? Like, is his curve as a sixth threat or is his curve as a seventh threat, an eighth threat? I can't answer that question, but I do know that he just has a massive impact on the game. But let's also think about the fact that if he didn't have a huge impact as an eight threat character, then you'd feel a little cheated. And, it's sort of why you feel with Dormammu, isn't it? Because Dormammu's eight threat and you just don't really feel you get what you pay for. And I think it's good that Thanos is his eight threat worth of character but I think where Dormammu's a little undertuned Thanos is a little overtuned yeah yeah I can see that a little bit too but uh yeah real quick I want to also say when you're playing Thanos the person that's playing Thanos it's typically pretty fun 
it's typically pretty fun. So, so like, you know, at the end of the day, fun is the main thing. And when you're sitting there watching Thanos beat you down and all of that, just think about it from a thematic and fun perspective. Look, he's doing what he does. And if you kind of just keep that in mind, it'll be less negative play experience. And, that, and that's the thing, I think, that of the characters we're talking about, Thanos is the one that presents you with the most negative play experience because you just don't get to play with your models at that point. Definitely. I agree. But anyways, moving on to Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat. So this is a character that when she first released... Everyone was kind of like, oh, she's fine, you know, kind of, oh, oh, you know, she's going to throw out some staggers. That's cool. Oh, cool. She can steal an extract. That's neat, you know. But as we've gone on, we've seen that the impact that her particularly master cat burglar, which is three power, has to be within range one of an enemy character and steals an extract, an asset or civilian token specifically, steals one of those, and then she can potentially run away. That's kind of the thing that is most people focus on. And the thing is, it's not the only thing. Her Troublemaker, which is an attack, it's like Shuri. It only does one damage with six dice. However, it's an automatic stagger for two power. That is also very potent. But One of the things that I find people dislike the most is the fact that she staggers you from range three. Oh yeah. Oh, it's nasty. <laughs> it is it is pretty pretty brutal, but at the same time whenever somebody is talking about Black Cat as a character, currently the narrative on her is she's broken because she steals extracts. At least that's what I see more than anything. Would you agree with that, Aaron? I think that's the main uh that is the sort of main Kind of with her, the, yeah, the main problem that people seem to have with her as a character um, is is her ability to do that. And I think it's notably worth mentioning the fact that, as you said, when Black Cat initially was released, she was sort of like, oh, she's okay. I mean, even myself, I didn't even have her in my roster, and now she makes almost every team that I play. Um, I think she was sort of... She really came to light once there was that power vacuum left behind after Enchantress was really nerfed. And I think that's when she became so prevalent and so often seen on the tabletop because once Enchantress was no longer doing Enchantress things and being as utterly ridiculous as she was, it it left that gap for somebody to fill a similar role and Black Cat just sort of stepped up and filled that power vacuum. Yeah. John, how how do you feel about kind of everything that's gone on with Black Cat to this point? I think she poses an issue. Um, and I, th- I think she poses an issue not for a single thing on a card, but for the combination of everything that yeah. she's got on a card. I think the ability to steal an extract is similar to Enchantress, but is now not an action, whereas Enchantress is an action. So that automatically makes that far stronger than we see on most people's cards. I know Miles can force you to drop it, but he still then has to pick it up, whereas she's just like, for two power, that's mine, three. thank you very much. It uh, costs you three power, power unless you're in Avengers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think you've got the grappling hook on top of that, which allows her to then place herself, which I know costs her some power, and we've seen on Hawkeye, and it can do amazing things. But when you add the fact she can steal, she can grappling hook, 
She can potentially then long move twice and she has stealth trying to get some extracts, whether it's a single extract or whether it's a combination of two cubes or two hammers or whatever it is on a back can become horribly painstaking. And sometimes you just have to go, I'm just going to leave her sat in that corner, regardless of the amount of extract she's got and try and do something else somewhere else. But because of the movement she's got and the fact that she can hand out stagger, she can just come back in, stagger somebody so you've got one action next turn and then disappear again. And you're like, oh my God, Black Cat, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is where I want to center this conversation around because, well, before I get into that though, John, have you personally been abused by Black Cat? I have been abused by Aaron's Black Cat on multiple occasions. Um, I have been abused, but slightly less skillfully in terms of I don't think they were fully aware of Black Cat's kit to the extent of Aaron was by a couple of other players but managed to track her back down um, whereas Aaron's great with his Black Cat of well I've got loads of power so you can have a stagger on your nearest opponent with the thing then I'm going to steal it, then I'm going to grappling hook then I'm going to move away once but actually I'm outside of range 3 and you've only got one action so by the time you get within range 3 you've got no action left and that's where the issue kind of comes <laughs> Yeah, yeah for sure and so Aaron you being a pretty competent pilot with Black Cat and just a competent pilot in general, I mean, obviously not number one, but number two pilot <laughs> in the world. Um, <laughs> would you say that you have uh, taken other players by surprise with what Black Cat does? Um, I, When I play anyone, I, I make sure, if I don't know who the person is, I make sure to ask what their experiences are with the characters that I have in my roster and if they've played against them. And I do believe that if I play someone who's a little less experienced against Black Cat, that I have the ability to pilot her in a way where she will win me the game and there's not much the other person can do to mitigate that. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. So... That, I think, is where the discussion really needs to happen, is when Black Cat is on the tabletop, accepting the fact that she's going to steal your shit, like, you know, it's much like we talked about with Thanos, it's going to happen. But mitigating it and making it to where it doesn't have as huge of an impact. For instance, if there's a Kree core, a scroll, something like that, she's going to steal it, okay, fine. Now you've got to you got to either chase her down or put your opponent in a position to where they have to make bad choices, and that's where I've kind of had that opportunity with Black Cat is like not so much with me piloting her, but playing against her is like okay, I'm either going to just delete her or I'm going to make it to where she has no power to do anything unless you spend a bunch of tactics cards and try maybe some suboptimal things to get her the power she needs in order to subsequently run away with the game. And, you know, I watched a recent match, I think it was another first-round cuts match, where I believe it was Jacob and Morgan were playing, and I think Jacob had an opportunity to steal an extract with Black Cat, and it would have won in the game, and it was like this, you know, roll the dice, see what happens kind of thing. And, like, that kind of stuff to me is exciting, but the fact that there's no counterplay to it, like, I get that. Whereas, like you mentioned with Miles, how he makes you drop it, then pick it up. And 
so do I think that Black Cat is over the curve because of her ability to steal something and then double long move away? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll cop to that. I think that that's over the curve. Do I think it's one for one broken with a capital B? No, I don't. So I think what we're quite lucky to have is the fact that AMG have done quite a good job in mitigating some of her strengths with how the um, how the single extracts work. For example, uh, the scroll. <laughs> yes, she can steal it, but she isn't then able to move long twice away. Exactly. I think if, if that was the case, then 110% that would be broken because you're putting such a horrendous amount of distance between yourself and the person you've just stole it from. And you're probably at a, a point in the game where those points are a huge advantage. And as it's the only extract, there's nothing your opponent can do other than try and double down on the secures. However, the scroll is great at mitigating um, that huge moving afterwards. Uh, Senators, which is another single extract. Yep. Obviously, you can only move your speed rather becomes small and you lose a defense dice. Uh, the alien core, I'm pretty sure you can only move once and you take damage if you don't attack. So just credit to the game because a lot of people do scream how broken she is, but I I do think that it is a matter of people screaming the loudest in some cases because it's not like she's going to find the scroll, as I said, and make two long moves away from it. Exactly. And, and I think that that's, again, why we're breaking these characters down in this way because... They, in in those situations, you're exactly right. There's there's ways to mitigate it. And okay, fine. You look at something like a legacy virus, right? You've got the legacy cure. She, yeah. if she's able to have two of them and then come and steal the third one, look, more credit to my opponent because like that's an impressive bit of success that you just had. Like, yeah. like I'm not even upset if you're able to pull that off because that's really hard to do. And, and just to point out, Will, as well, I think um, while we were we, we briefly touched on some people not really knowing what she does, so for a lot of things in the game, notably one of the obvious examples on this list, Voodoo, uh, the answer to deal with that character is to kill them. And I think with Black Cat, the answer isn't to do that. Because if you hit Black Cat, you're actually doing the person a huge travel lot. When I have played... Black Cat against people, and they attack her and don't kill her. All, all that means for me is like, oh, great, cheers, now I've got the power to do even more stuff. And that, I think, the hardest, as a Black Cat player, the hardest situation is when your opponent goes, cool, let her find a power on her own, I'm not going to hit her, because then, you you know, you have to invest things like R&D, uh, or other abilities, or you have to risk Black Cat being part of the fight. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons Black Cat can sort of feel bad for a lot of people is that if they've not necessarily known how to deal with her and their first initial uh, idea is that they just beat her up, that then creates sort of a bit more of a negative experience in response because that sort of is what puts her online. Yeah, and for me, with especially like I can only talk about how I play the game uh, in in terms of my own experiences, but... For me, it's like when I play with Convocation, I have a lot of tools that can move her around, displace her and stuff like that. But I also have tools that can take her out potentially. And the game state dictates 
what you do, right? So like if it's kind of the middle of the game and my Hulk has the single extract and there's a black cat right there, well, I'm going to try throughout the round, like let's say she doesn't have the power yet to take it. I'm going to try throughout the round to set up making my opponent have to make a decision. Your first activation is steal this extract with black cat or your first activation is get something out of your arguably more important model or else they're dead. You know what I mean? So like I I like to think about those kind of things and those are the kind of things that you can think about when you see an opposing black cat on the other side of the table is if you're going to beat her up, you have to put her in a position to where if your opponent doesn't steal the thing with her right away, and especially things like a Krikor, like let's say you leave her on one health and she doesn't do an attack. Oh man, that's a feels good because yeah. yeah or, or you put a bleed on her and then she steals your thing. It, it, no matter what the situation is like making black cat and the opposing player have to make a tough decision is where I like to go with that controlling her. And then if the opportunity presents itself, trying to kind of go into her a little bit, but it's all in the situation. You know what I mean? It's all in, in the, the board state at the time. And in terms of the, the most kind of broken instance of black cat that I've ever seen, it's, it's really only in Avengers where you can R and D her a power and then she gets to do the steal online, turn one, and she can get to that midline. And potentially, based on the setup of the points and however many characters and everything everybody has, can potentially steal turn one and and run away turn two. And that's like yep. probably the the most negative type of thing, but it's also one of those things that you can see coming. And yep. you can mitigate with other characters with certain plays stuff like that so you know i don't think she's as like boogie person as maybe a lot of the community might think at times and for someone that's new just coming into this game they hear oh black cat's great i want black cat look black cat's a great character i think that she she is purpose built to do her thing and I love that. I love that this is a character that really feels like their comic book iteration. I mean, that, that, that is exactly what she feels like. So, you know, you see that as a new player and you think, oh, that's really cool. Like, I want this character. I love Black Cat and, and, and this and that. And then you look at it like from a veterans player perspective, just understanding what she does. I think as well, um, just another thing that slightly skews people's opinions of Black Cat is... If we look at her affiliations that she's affiliated in, Black Cat is the single most affiliated model in the game. She has four different affiliations. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's many other, if any, other models that have four affiliations. So sort of it makes it very easy for people to be like, oh, Black Cat's everywhere, because she happens to be in four different affiliations, all of which are super popular. So exactly. It, it's like, imagine if Thanos was affiliated in A-Force, Criminal Syndicate, Midnight Suns and Web Warriors. Obviously, you're going to see more of him. He's affiliated everywhere, and they're all popular teams. So I think that is something that sort of um, influences the fact that she's, so, she's seen so often. And uh, just as you were saying at the start of the video about the totality of, you know, when I use Steve, an example, 
uh, and having 22 Avengers players compared to four Avengers players. Black Cat is around an awful lot, but a lot of the time she's an affiliated character, so it makes sense for it to be there. And that's exactly it. And and that's another area I want to touch on is when you go to an event and you look at the numbers and you say, oh man, Black Cat's in in 10 out of 16 rosters, or I'm, I'm making up numbers, but you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, but uh, eight of those are either A-Force, Criminal Syndicate, Midnight Suns, or Web Warriors. Like, it... To me, it doesn't look as bad as to uh, uh, say that that character's uh, everywhere. Uh, I mean, just the example that I had from Element Game, um, Thanos, obviously, like I said, there were nine Thanoses. Uh, from what I quickly glanced over, obviously, I went through each list individually and had a look. There were nine Thanoses, and um, he was only there were only three lists. Obviously, I'm not counting Pats because. Pat's only way of playing Black Order would be Thanos and Bucky. He had no, nobody else. So of those nine, there were three affiliations that could reasonably play Black Order. So that's 33% of the rosters he's taken in, he was affiliated. Whereas I think if you'd have looked at Black Cat stats, which is something I didn't actually do myself, and you looked at the percentage of rosters that she was taking in where she was affiliated, I think you'd actually find that it, hers is probably somewhere closer to 60%, which for me at least shows just how strong Thanos is at the minute because he's been splashed in 60% of the 66% of the rosters he was taken in whereas Black Cat's just being splashed in 40% if that if if you sort of get what I mean oh I absolutely get what you mean and I think that 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 is a really good thing to discuss because let's go back and look at the beginning of season seven of TTS right you look at in all of the rosters Black Cat was only in and I say only because I think this is important she was only in 41% of rosters. And shout out to Xavier Protocols for putting this together. I'm hoping that we get some from the cuts and all that stuff one of these days. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Jacob, if you're listening. But I think that you know, saying she's in 41% of rosters and then breaking that down even further is into, well, how many of those is she affiliated in, I think is is really where you start to get a sense of how often this character is seen, you know, and, and really getting a sense of whether or not a character is quote unquote broken because in previous seasons, we've seen a Koye be at 63%. We've seen Enchantress and Medusa be, I think over 50%, you know, and, and when you look at those three characters specifically and where they're affiliated versus where they were taken, it's a little bit of a different story. Exactly. But when you look at, Black Cat, and as we're going to talk about Doctor Voodoo, it's you got to you got to think about where they're actually affiliated. But we've talked a lot about Black Cat and her extract steel thing, and and the thing that I want to talk about now, and John, I'd like to get your opinion on this: the Troublemaker, the Stagger. It that to me is kind of the most underrated thing she has on her card, and everybody's always so worried about the steal, and then, boop, you're staggered. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is a lot of people overlook it. So I think if you're playing somebody who hasn't had a lot of Black Cat time, they're probably not going to use it all that often. So I've had games where you don't really need to worry about it because Black Cat is purely there to try and steal an extract, and that makes me happy because I'd rather try and chase her down or try and get something off her with two actions then have somebody who hits me with a troublemaker on two different characters, for example, which I've had before. And you go, oh, well, there's half of my activations on those guys gone straight away. 
and she's not even got an extract for me to worry about doing anything with her, so I might as well just ignore her now. Um, I think it is super strong for two power. I think the fact that for two power from range three, she can go, actually, your action economy is just halved and there is nothing you can do about it is mental. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe in a great way if you're playing with Batcat. Um, but if you're against it and she's got the power and she does it to two characters on points, you go in, what just happened? Um, it's it, it's just a thing that's there. And if she is looking to do it to play the extract game as well, the wild elusive for a move off it just makes it slightly more bonkers, to be honest. It's such a good spender for what it does for two power and from the range that it has that I think it just adds to Black Cat's kit and to Black Cat's splash ability. Because actually, if we are talking about the Boogeyman of Thanos, she can just stagger in from range three. She gets a move. She can move a bit further away and go, well, let's see what you can do now. Oh, and when yeah. she does that to your big expensive piece at only three threat, she's more than making her money. And that's it. You know, I've had her go into Hulk and not even try to steal anything off of him. Just get the stagger on him. And it's, it's, I think it's great ultimately because that to me is, is a balancing act, right? Like again, yeah, I think she's, she's slightly over the curve. Like I'll, I'll cop to that. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to say that I don't think she's a good model. Like I don't, but I just think that, that that's the balance with this character is to say, okay, well she can do these things. Which thing is she going to do? And you know, there, there's a reason for her to be on the tabletop no matter what, you know what I mean? Like, obviously if you're playing research station, probably not, but in general, you know, there's reasons for her to be on the tabletop. And I've heard a lot of different discussions on how to fix her quote unquote. And I just want to take a second because I don't want to spend too much time on this. I I think the, the only thing that I think you could maybe say would be just changing the power of certain things. So, I think I've heard the discussion, and I'll see what you guys think of this. I've heard the discussion say her steel needs to be an action. I think that's a horrible idea. I think it's not a good idea at all. I think if you make it an action, Black Cat will go from being uh, above the curve to just not being taken. Exactly. But- and, and and I've heard the argument, well, she still has the stagger then. And it's like, yeah, but that's still not quite enough. And if you make that an action you're you're making this character that's designed to be somewhat squishy and and making it to where okay well they're going to steal and then they won't even have an opportunity to run away if they had to move to it and all that stuff so like i just i, I don't love that and to me that takes away as part of the flavor of the character now if they came yeah. back and made it an action like i would understand why they did that but i think you're taking away a, a flavor a theme part of the thing and i don't see amg wanting to do that I think that personally, a lot of people are saying make it action as that's what they did with Enchantress. And I think to compare the two doesn't work purely because Enchantress, the problem with her was that she wasn't coming to you to take your objective. You were like first class delivery service bringing it over to her because she'd bow you towards her. <laughs> and oh, yeah. the other thing is she'd have the power every turn to do it. Black Cat, although you can get her online with advanced R&D, doesn't have, you know, the ability to sap power, doesn't have a huge seven, six dice build or whatnot. So making it in action 
would just cripple her entirely, I think, personally. Exactly. And I know a lot of people are probably going to listen to this and go, oh, well, Aaron would say that. He plays Web Warriors and he uses Black Cat. <laughs> but honestly, I just think that she she just not be very good at all then. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the, the other thing I think that, like, again, I know – for what, some people seem to like it when people make suggestions like this. So I'm going to I'm going to suggest this. This is if you're going to change Black Cat, which again, I am firmly in the camp that she does not need to be changed. But if you're going to change her, here's the two things I would do. You make Troublemaker cost 3 power. I think that's start there and then you make her steal if you want to put her steal into a little bit more of a perspective in terms of like power level compensation, you make her steal cost X. And it's equal to the threat value of the character you're trying to steal from. So that way you can't reduce it with Avengers. And then if, say, your Hulk or Thanos or somebody else has this extract, then good luck. You know what I mean? And I do think that that also is a little bit against the flavor of the character because she is a master cat burglar, but I could at least see that being a balancing thing for the game. John, what do you think about that? I'm on board with the Troublemaker change. I think Troublemaker is too cheap for the whole suite of things that it does. I think adding an additional cost to that to make it three, I'd still spend for it. I still think it's worth three for the stagger, the elusive. It's still more than worth it. Um, I... I've been reading Spider-Man comics since I was about 10. I have seen plenty of Felicia Hardy. I've seen her steal all sorts of things. I've seen her turn up with stuff we didn't even know was stolen until she shows it people. Um, I'm not on board with making the steal in action in any way because I think she would vanish. Um, in terms of cost X, it's not something I've ever considered until now, but I don't know if I would go for it. I think there could be times where maybe stealing a cube from Hulk is the right call and it's the right thing to do and it could stop somebody potentially winning a game that round and just give you a little bit of extra life. I think if she had to pay six to do it, I don't know if she would ever do it, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And Hulk would be, Hulk would be sitting there with like four cubes going, well, I'm going to win in a couple of turns because you're never going to get the power to steal them off me. Um, whereas when it costs a two, maybe three, uh, three, maybe four, depending on what they do with it, if they do anything with it, it's more feasible for it to go, actually, you're not winning for another round. And I'm going to see if there's anything else I can do to mitigate that right now. Yeah, definitely fair. Uh, it's just, uh, and look, again, firmly in the camp of she's overall oh. fine within the total context of the game. But if, if somebody wanted some changes and if somebody out there listens to this, that would be the only thing I could recommend. But John, I really like your opinion on that. So I think, and I think that's really fair. Like not being able to take something off of a Hulk at an opportune time definitely is kind of a feels bad. Yeah. Particularly when that's maybe what you've taken her for, because you know, that's what she can do. And she turns up there going, Oh, hold on. I can't do my thing now. What am I supposed to do? You'd, you'd, it would be a, a feel bad moment particularly, as we say, for the master thief in the Marvel Universe to go, yeah, no, I can't steal that from this really dumb, angry dude because I just <laughs> can't. Well, no, he just dropped it. That's all it is. He, he just dropped it and she picked it up. <laughs> that that sounds Hulk-like. I can imagine that. Put it down so you can smash some other stuff. Yeah. And she went, yuck. Exactly. Exactly. So, 
Uh, Aaron, do you have any thoughts on that before we move on? Um, I just think that if that was the change that was made, it would make Thanos even more horrendous. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Thanos gets a single extract. You're already like, in a whole world of trouble trying to get that back. Uh, one of the only ways to get it back guaranteed is to steal it with Black Cat or Enchantress. Um, right. If Black Cat had to pay eight power to do it, <laughs> I don't think you'd be having it happen very often. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, nothing's perfect out there, but, uh, you know, I think we've we, we've pretty settled the book here on Black Cat. Any other final thoughts on Black Cat before we move on, John? I, I think she's a really solid piece on the tabletop. I think she's great fun to play. I think she's interesting to play against because she gives you multiple kind of like choices at certain points throughout the game that you really have to think about what you want to do. So like you can ignore her for the first few rounds, which I've done plenty of times. And then when she gets that power on to steal, you have to start thinking about, okay, what do I do now? Because she can get over here to get this, or she can maybe go there to get that, or she could do none of it. I think she's a really interesting character. I don't think she's broken. I think you see a lot of her, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I just really enjoy playing with her and against her, to be honest. Yep, fair. Same same thing for me as well. And Aaron, what about you? Uh, just I want to say that I feel that in sort of the oh, what was the word I'm looking for? The the in the food chain of MCP, Black Cat serves an important role because I think if you take Black Cat out of the equation, that super tall lists like Brotherhood and Black Order become even harder to play against because Black Cat is a model that can plug into quite a lot of teams that don't generally have answers to deal with these tall lists and really give them a fighting chance and help to sort of even the odds out a little bit. Not in the sense that she's just going to look, obviously she's not going to look beat Thanos up, but she makes it a bit easier to deal with him and gives you the option and sort of stops. Um, yeah, she sort of stops the super tall list being, you know, dominating everywhere. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I like that take a lot. And speaking of dominating things, let's take a second to mention our giveaway that we have going on here at House Party Protocol. You can check out our Facebook page. It's the pinned post at the top of the Facebook page. We're giving away a Nick Fury and his shield ninjas, and then a Shadowland Daredevil, Electra and their hand ninjas as part of a giveaway. So make sure to leave a comment there, like the Facebook page, and then check out the podcasts for secret code words. We had one last week. This week's secret code, I think I'd be remiss if we didn't go with boogie people. I like that, yeah. All right, so boogie people. So how are you going to spell boogie people? It is B-O-O-G-E-Y and then people. I, I don't, you know, just people, boogie people so if you if you send me boggy people i will still accept it but you know <laughs> uh so yeah definitely send that you can send us messages on facebook that is the best place you can send us emails housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com you can send us messages on discord if you're part of our discord server that's by checking out our patreon you can get access to that it's a dollar a month 12 bucks a year you get to support the show support future giveaways come over and be part of our wonderful chillest illest realist most awesome less full of not boogie people discord channel over there and uh, have a good time with that and that's patreon.com slash house party 
protocol. And now let's talk about everyone's favorite doctor and of the voodoo variety. And um, I'm going to start this one because I think I've started all of them, but I'm going to start this one too. Because I love Dr. Voodoo, first of all. Is he really strong? Yeah, sure. He's, he's good. He's got a lot going on. Does he gain power more than you might think he does? Sure, yeah. He, he rolls a skull, he gains a power. But you're only rolling a skull. It's a one in eight chance on a die. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in the, oh, well, I'm just going to roll a skull and I'll get that power. You know, same thing with Spirit Venom. It's a sap power. For each wild in the roll, he can sap a power. And we've seen with characters like Enchantress how good a sap power can be. With Vision, how good a sap power can be. But those characters have something Dr. Voodoo doesn't, and that's a beam. So when you're lining up the opportunities to roll those sap powers, it can become a lot more feeling like it's more common, I guess is the way to put it. And then Possession. Oh, possession. Speaking of a power cost of X. So you spend power equal to the threat cost of the model you want to possess. You put the Brother Daniel token on them, and now all of a sudden they're no longer interacting with the objectives. And I've seen the argument out there of, well, you're you're not allowing a character to interact with the game as, as it's designed. This character now doesn't get to play the game. And I understand that argument. I think it's a very valid criticism of the character. However, Black Cat is an example. Black Cat still has ways to affect the game, even if she can't steal objectives, as we just discussed. And I think that characters like Toad, okay, Toad gets possessed. He's a two-threat character. Do you really care if he's that possessed? Uh, You know what I mean? Like... And now, all of a sudden, Toad gets to just spit acid everywhere. That seems fun, right? And and so, like, with that that type of argument, again, I think it's perfectly valid. I don't, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. But all of a sudden, this, this model that you thought was going to be doing one thing now gets to do another thing, and that's roll dice, and that can always be fun. It Again, fun, in my opinion. In a competitive sense, yeah, Dr. Voodoo, definitely very strong with that possession. But let's continue on. Because he also has a throw, size 2 character throw, potentially size 3 if he has his own Brother Daniel token. And then he's got his ability to call his Brother Daniel back. But I found typically what happens is I don't call it back most of the time. And if you do call it back, it ends up kind of not really mattering anyways because he has no dice manipulation. So he's going to be a 2-2-4 on the defenses without Brother Daniel Four four six in terms of physical energy mystic with Brother Daniel. And four dice, let's just say physical, right? Four dice physical without any dice manipulation is good, not great. Into four dice attacks, yeah, it's fine. But this attacker still has the advantage on that kind of an attack. So like think about what what die faces are successful on defense. You've got a critical a wild, and a shield. So three out of eight. And then, you know, criticals, you roll in another one, but again, you know, there's there, the math gets weird with crits. However, on attacking, you've got criticals, wilds, two hit symbols, so four out of eight, and again, potential crit stuff. So the attacker 
always has the advantage into Brother Voodoo, unless you're playing him in Convocation and weird things happen. But all I'm saying is, I love Brother Voodoo. I think he's another one that is ultimately slightly above the curve because the 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 curve is is definitely a spectrum, right? And you've got things that are low on the end and then high on the end. But I don't think there's anything that's so far on the high end of the curve, over the curve, that is just game-breaking. And I think that Voodoo is another one of these characters that before the season started and as the season went on, definitely like a, a conversation piece. But I've seen enough matches, played enough matches with him that... He is he is not the force to be reckoned with. Like, I mean, I think a juggernaut is is pretty pretty impressive. I think Rogue is pretty impressive right now. Vision is very impressive. So like, is he on the level with a Rogue, a Vision, some of these other pretty pretty good four threats? I mean, even Medusa post nerf still. Well, Venom. A Venom. Uh, yeah. Let's not even forget Venom. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, is he? He does different things than those characters. He absolutely does. But is he on the level with those characters? I say yes. And Aaron, I'd like to get your thought. Yeah, definitely. I think Voodoo is um, very, very strong for four threat. Uh, Ultimately, somebody's got to be the best four threat and somebody's got to be the best three threat, for example. And I think Voodoo is definitely up there arguing for that top spot. Um. I do think he needs to be changed slightly, but not anything huge, really. I just think that when he dazes, he, um, the brother Daniel Tolkien should automatically recall to him. Um, other than that, I don't think he's... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that he's very strong and he's above the curve, but I don't think he's obscenely broken. Same. Other than the fact that other than KO in him, you can't really force him to take his brother back. Right, and I think that that that's arguably the only thing I I would say. And John, I want to get your opinion before I keep rattling on here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same opinion. I think he's great. He is strong. There is no question about that. His whole suite of stuff is strong. Um, but again, he does a specific purpose. Yes, he can dish out the hurt while also handing out a possession. He's quite possible and quite capable of doing both. But you kind of take him for that possession more than you take him for anything else, realistically, if you're going to take him. Um, The fact that he can go last and hand it out could be a pain. Um, But then you've got an entire next round to try and deal with him. So it's only a small win most of the time for him. Um, I can see circumstances where he's a problem if you take him in criminal syndicate. And he counts as two. He can turn off somebody at range three and then go and contest another point scenario dependent, so it can be problematic. Um, he's not broken. I don't think he's horrific. I think there are ways to manage him. There are ways to deal with him. Um, is the best answer to him another him? Probably at this point. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you have to take another him to solve him. And I think that's the reason he's probably not broken. I think if we're sitting here going, well, actually... The only way to deal with voodoo is another voodoo. Then there are problems. Um, I just think he's strong and he needs some work. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I also want to say with as much as I lavished praise on top of him, I, I don't I don't want to sit here and be, again, dismissive. He is, he is strong. I mean, 
I'm not gonna lie to you about that. Like he's a, a strong character, and he is in the conversation as one of the best four threat characters in the game. And we've seen before what strong four threat characters tend to be sometimes over the curve, you know, Enchantress of Medusa being the kind of biggest examples there. But when I see Voodoo on the tabletop, and to be fair, I've played more Voodoo than played against Voodoo because uh, it's just kind of how it all, all worked out, especially playing Convocation and everything. But when I've seen other people play Voodoo and I've seen kind of the way that people interact with my Voodoo is, look, he's a four-threat character, so he, so he has a significant cost on the tabletop and whether i see voodoo or rogue or vision or medusa or enchantress or insert other four threat character most of the time if i have an opportunity to take that character out venom i know i keep forgetting venom i'm sorry aaron uh uh, if i see that character on the tabletop maybe other than venom because i don't really like having the clap back I want to try to take that character out, and if I get an opportunity to take that character out, it can definitely limit my opponent's ability to to hurt me going forward in the game. And what I've seen most of the time is, if Voodoo's on the table, for me, he is target number one for murdelation. We're gonna that's gonna be a new word now, and uh, it's I think that that's just the number one best way to deal with him is to just make him spend his power to recall the spirit, throw a bunch of dice at him, and hope for the best. Aaron, would you say that's a way that you found to deal with him? I, I do think that is definitely the way to deal with him. And as I've said, I think the only issue with it is that at the minute when he's dazed, he doesn't have to recall his spirit. Um, 100% think dazing slash going him is the way forward. As you said, he doesn't have any ways of modifying his dice. And if he doesn't recall that brother to boost his defenses, he does go down relatively quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's the way to do it, um, and that that's how you deal with him, really. Yeah, and to the point of him not recalling his spirit when he's dazed. If they change that on his card, I wouldn't be upset. But like you mentioned, it, he goes down so easy, and then. If he's dazed, if you let him get dazed without recalling spirit, let's say you don't even have the power to recall spirit, and and you let him get dazed, and then that possession goes off of the character or whatever, I think that's fine. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, that's kind of what the character does, and you know, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll also cop to the fact that he can ramp some damage. He can if he can get within range two, and he can, and he has the power to do a staff of Legba, it can hurt. Believe me, I've seen it hurt people. It's pretty great. But again, it's one of those things where with Voodoo, you have to actively make choices with your power because while he generally has power, you still don't have the power to just do everything. And then if you are trying to play him in more of a survival role, you have to keep enough power to maybe brace for impact. Maybe you have to keep enough power to recall spirit. And let's not forget, if he's possessed someone then he only rolls two dice against throws. Recall Spirit does not work on throws. It only works for attacks. So when he's targeted by an attack, he can recall Spirit. But if you throw something at him before you attack him, then there you go. That's automatic damage. Yep. So, John, what about you? How uh, how do you deal with a voodoo on the tabletop? 
Uh, I've always attempted to kill a voodoo on the tabletop. Um, there have been times where I've played a little bit weird and I've set up opposite voodoo with two characters, knowing full well he's likely to go last on the other team's activation and turn off whoever's on that side. Um, so there have been a couple of times I've run one character up, taken an extract and moved more central with them so that the last character I move up I know is going to get turned off. But it's then just a one-on-one -on -one with Voodoo while I've got most of my team dealing with other points on the board. And he can take that one point and he can sit on it and possess whoever it is he likes because he's only scoring one point while I've got the rest of the team dealing with something else. So he's potentially got like four threat dealing with two or three threat on that side. And I'm OK with that. He can possess them all day long while I'm out there scoring other points. Um but I have found, if that's not the strategy, Voodoo really does not like anybody that has rapid fire. Yeah. Because as we've said, he's fragile to dice. He doesn't like multiple dice attacks coming in, particularly if you can double attack him with somebody like Domino. Or as I said earlier, Deadpool has a history of just obliterating Voodoos. <laughs> yeah. um, he really does not like those rapid fires. Absolutely. that, And that's a really good point, John. And it's it's a volume thing with voodoo he he only has six health yes it's six and six on both sides so that's that's a higher than average i think health pool total but at the same time he has no defensive tech literally no yep. defensive tech and if you want to say that recall spirit is defensive tech fine but it's <laughs> but it's really not it's it's not you know and so i i feel like that Part of the balance of voodoo, and again, I also want to make sure to say that this is all just completely my opinion out there, Suits. If you disagree with me, let me know. Send me messages. I'm all ears. I love to just discuss this stuff. So the reason why I think voodoo is balanced is because of the way that there are those things in the game. Domino exists. Hawkeye exists to shoot him from range five. You know what I mean? Like... All of these things exist to make it so that he can't just go off. And there's going to be games where he does. You know what I mean? There's going to be games where Bullseye goes off. There's going to be games where Clea rolls four skulls on her generate power thing for herself and then only has one health left for the next three rounds. That exists. Those games exist. Literally seen that happen. <laughs> it's quite upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I've I've literally been on the receiving end of that. It's terrible. So, but I'm just saying, like, you can never account for what the dice are gonna do. You know what I mean? You have to set yourself up for success in the best possible ways, where your dice are a part of that success, but not the only way you succeed. And I think Voodoo plays the kind of game that I like to play, where. I can roll dice and have fun rolling dice, but I don't have to roll dice while still having a chance to win. And I think Voodoo is a really nice like counter to these wide Web Warriors teams as an example, right? Like, you know, I love Web Warriors. Anyone that's been listening to this show for a long time knows I love Web Warriors. And Aaron is also obviously the Web Warrior protocol. You know what's up. But it's one of those things where they are really hard to deal with. And if you are playing a high model count and you're able to just run all over the board, well, Voodoo turning off one of those characters can definitely affect how that Web Warriors players interact with the game. And I think that it makes it part of the balance. Like, Voodoo exists to counter some of that. Would y'all agree with that? It's all part of the MCP food chain, really. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's all, all part of the MCP food chain. That's a really good way to put it. And, you know, again, I, I, I want to be very clear. Voodoo is very strong. Like I'm not, and when I say I think he's balanced, yet I say he's very strong, that doesn't mean that I think he's unbalanced. Like I, I think that Thanos is very strong. Black Cat, very strong. Uh, look, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, very strong. You know what I mean? Like these, all these characters, I can go down the list of characters that are very strong. You, Magneto, very strong. You know, but I think all of this stuff in is balanced and looking at a character in a vacuum and thinking about the negative experiences with that character versus the positive experiences of what that character means for the overall part of the game, I think is is where some of the discussion might break down a little bit. And the final thing I want to talk about with Voodoo before we talk about ways to kind of change him potentially is let's look at where he's affiliated. He's affiliated in one of the most popular affiliations, and that's Avengers, right? And then Midnight Suns has had its day in the sun, pun intended, also. And then Convocation's a little less popular, fine, whatever. But being affiliated in Avengers means you're going to see voodoo in a lot of places. And I think noting as well, I don't actually see voodoo very often. Um, outside of places where he's affiliated. No. Um, I, I would definitely say I see Black Cat splashed in more. But again, it's about the ratio of where she's being taken in affiliation to where she isn't. And I think Voodoo firmly does actually sit in the camp of he doesn't get taken that much outside of his affiliation. And if he does quite a lot of the time, it's... <laughs> I think the problem is a lot of the time people hear that these characters are, say, broken or so good, so they just throw them into the rosters. But I don't think he actually does get splashed that much, at least from what I've seen, and I've done a fair few events. Yeah, and let's go back and talk about how he was taken in 45% of the initial rosters. And I think that that's kind of what you're talking about is, oh, well, Voodoo's good, so I'm going to put him in here. And then as you play the games, you might realize how he might not be good for what you're trying to do. And John, you brought up a really good point earlier about criminal syndicate. And the thing about putting in a character like a voodoo in a criminal syndicate is you, you are talking about an opportunity cost. Like, do I think voodoo's great in in criminal syndicate? Yes, I do. Do I think having a four threat voodoo and a four threat kingpin leadership and, and then whatever else seasoning to taste is a potentially strong thing? Sure. it, It certainly could be, but at the same time, you're you're having an opportunity cost with that. Like, what am I leaving behind to bring Voodoo that could potentially synergize with my team better? You know, Voodoo, who has all this power, can't contribute to all according to plan, which a criminal syndicate yep. player might want to do. So Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the nice things with Voodoo is we're saying he's super strong, but because he is four and not three, like Black Cat, for example, there is that kind of thought process around, actually, if I put him in, what one, maybe two characters am I going to have to compromise yeah. on to get him in for what I get? So does it work all the time? And, and I, think, I don't think it does. No, and I think that's why we see him potentially less. I know the tournament we had here the weekend, there were a couple of players who had Voodoo in their lists, and they literally said while I played them, I haven't put Voodoo in all day because I just can't get him to work in the points totals that I want to play. And I think that's kind of a balancing thing for him, and it works well. And, and that's exactly my point with this discussion. 
and and that's what the point with this discussion and why I wanted to make this episode is because that's it right there, John. What you just said. It's it's all together. It all comes together. Balancing act of point values, affiliations, abilities, all of this stuff. Like voodoo in convocation, I pretty much always take him. I've I've left him at home once in the last however many games I've played. And it's because in Convocation, he is really good. He is yeah. really good in Convocation. But in in humans, he's less good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's still good, but he's less good there. I'm not sure in humans was a good pick, but I'll go with it. It is a good pick, John, and I'll tell you why. Because you got a five-threat leader and a four-threat Medusa you're definitely putting on the table. Well, yeah. Well, that is 100% true, but I'm not sure any splash pick is a good pick in Inhumans, was more my point. Oh, I see. You're throwing shade at the Inhumans. Well, I think what he's trying to say is that even the Inhumans aren't good in Inhumans. <laughs> if I wasn't dissing the Inhumans, would I really be repping the X gene? This is true. This is very true. But I mean, actually, I think he's he's pretty decent in Inhumans with the way to push power around and stuff. But that's neither yeah, here nor there. He definitely fits in there. <laughs> it's just whether anybody runs Inhumans. Exactly. Exactly. But but either way, I think the point stands. And I, and I want to harken back to what you said. It was that was really insightful and um, kind of my overall argument with the whole thing. And now to kind of finish this episode off because we are running a little long. Aaron, I want to get how you think if you were going to rebalance Voodoo, how would you do it? Honestly, as I've already said, I just think that when he dies, is the brother Voodoo token should automatically recall to him. I get the arguments for and against it, and I personally do think that the pros of it outweigh the cons, and that that would be the balancing act. Just purely because if it gets to late game, and there's a few models on the table, and you've managed to keep your Voodoo on his healthy side, Voodoo, I've seen it happen quite a lot, Voodoo can possess, Voodoo can possess somebody and then it doesn't matter what happens because if he dies him, it doesn't come back. As long as that model's possessed, that player can't win the game. They haven't. They, they physically cannot just because they haven't got the models to score the points. Um, so I think just doing it so that there is always an answer to un- sort of unpossessing yourself would be how I'd change it. Okay, John, what about you? I don't know if I would change anything on Voodoo. And I know sitting here saying I would change nothing is probably controversial in the wider competitive community but i really like voodoo's flavor i like what he does i like what he offers i don't think we're seeing him as much as we saw enchantress and kind of like valkyrie all over the place i don't think voodoo is as big a problem as we've had before i think without throwing some shade we always need a bad guy in the community that we talk about, and I think Voodoo has just stepped in to fill that role. Again, it's 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 the power vacuums that were left behind by Valkyrie and Enchantress, I think. And that's it. And I think actually, leave him as he is, and over time, as we see other things start to develop, I think he'll slide back down, and we'll realise that actually he's not the big problem we thought he was. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and that's kind of where I am with it. I think that. You know, if the people out there are calling for a change, right? I've seen many different arguments for change for him. You know, I've seen make possession an action. Please don't do that. I've seen. (laughs) I don't think. I think a lot of people sort of think that the way to fix something um, is just chuck a band aid over it with an action cost. (laughs) I don't think that's how you fix things. I think that's that's how you quickly take a model from being above the curve to quite far below it because. 
having something cost an action is huge. The, the the action economy is the most vital and important part of the game. It's why stagger is the strongest condition, obviously, because you know when you start playing around with the the possibilities of what somebody can do during a round with their two actions, you know, it's huge. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that's the answer. I don't fully disagree with you, Aaron, even though I'm not really in the camp of making it come back when he's dazed. Uh, your example of late game, yeah. I mean, like that that's definitely a bit of a feels bad, but at the same time, it's it's just I think part of the game that you have to account for. But yeah, I cool. could see it coming back when he's dazed. The the one area I think I would change is I think the making possession once per turn would be really good because I have seen where he's maybe coming back from being dazed and he's able to possess two people and steal like recalls, you know, possess someone and um, like repossess people multiple times. Like, yeah, so he can like, I don't know how it, it's a weird pattern. Let me see if I can I get think this right. Sort of when Voodoo pops up and there's three people holding cubes, and one by one he points his fingers at them and makes all of them drop them because he has the power to. Right, that's it. So, so yeah, like he's just able to kind of boop, 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 make them yeah. drop their stuff and then and then run away. Or so, so I think that making possession once per turn would be a nice way to do it. Or yeah. make it to where he has to have his brother Daniel token in order to possess yeah, somebody. Definitely. I think that's definitely a good solution to it, having him having to have it on his card before he gives it out to somebody else. Because then you have the, the you, you have to recall it, don't you? And I think I initially thought when we first got Voodoo that that is how it worked. When I found out that isn't, I was like, oh, okay, that's really quite strong. So I, right. I do think that's a good fix as well. Yeah, and and those those are the only two things I would change because I think everything else is is right in line with, with what you want from a four threat character. I mean, yeah. look at, look at other four threat characters. They have seven dice attacks that cost three power that do insane things. That, that is a very common thing amongst four threat characters, right? So like whenever yeah. somebody's like, Oh, staff Legba is so great. It is great, but it's in line with what other four threat characters do too. So, you know, just, it's one of those things. I'm not a game designer. I don't have all the data everywhere, but I definitely think that a character like Voodoo, by and large, while strong, he's not strong everywhere, and he is more or less in line with things. Yeah, ju just as a point to you saying he's not strong everywhere, I bought the Hood and Voodoo box for Hood because I absolutely adore Hood, um, oh, both great. visually and the way that he plays. Uh, I built Voodoo, uh, tried him twice, and then really wasn't a fan, and I don't think I could ever see, see myself including him in my team just because I don't personally like him I, I, obviously I do have Black Cat already who's Web Warrior affiliated but I think that comes back to the fact that inevitably if you have an affiliated option you're going to be taking it and that's what's important exactly so with that Aaron where can people find you uh, people can find me over on webwarriorprotocols.com they can find me on my Facebook page Web Warrior Protocols. And I've also recently launched my YouTube channel, which is Web Warrior Protocols. There isn't any content on there at the minute. We're just sorting out some last-minute things. John and I are setting up a sort of studio to record battle reports, and that's all going to be uh, coming alive in the next couple of weeks. Can't wait to see that stuff. I'm excited to see you guys throw some dice and, and let the people get a sense of how the number two player 
in the world plays Crisis Protocol. John, where can people yeah. find you? Um, well, it usually takes people a bit of a look to find me. However, uh, I am in the chillest Discord on the entire interwebs, uh, which is obviously has party protocol. So I am in there as John C. Harris 13. I'm in most of the other kind of MCP discords under the same name. And you can find me on Twitter under just press play, which is weird, I know, but it's been there and that's how it's been for a long time. And uh, soon enough, like I said, I'll be bringing John to the light of the world and showing him off on the, some good old battle reports. I love it. I can't wait to see that. And suits out there listening, if you're interested, you can. Uh, I will have a link for the YouTube page that has nothing on it right now, but it will be in the description. So definitely make sure to check that out. Go ahead and subscribe. You don't even need to worry about what the content's going to be. Just hit subscribe. Who cares? Let's get those numbers up right away, everybody. And then also, uh, you can check out our Facebook page. Definitely try to check that out. Leave a like, all that fun stuff. And if you have the opportunity on the platform that you listen to this podcast, if you would, leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it. And it helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find this podcast. And I, you know, I personally like it. I think it's useful for other people, but maybe you do too. So yeah, that'd be really wonderful. I'd appreciate that. As a content creator, I definitely agree. One of the most useful things from people is feedback. So if anyone ever has any feedback on, you know, me and John joining Will, please let us know because that's the only way we can improve. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. I always want to do better. I always want to provide value to people with this show. Your time is valuable. So I appreciate you spending it with me, with us. So yeah, those reviews are absolutely critical. And if you don't want to write a review, if you can't write a review, send me a message at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com or on my Facebook page. Send us a message over there. I love interacting in that way. I, I get a ton of messages over there. So I really love that stuff. And it really helps me make this show better for everyone out there. And then lastly, don't forget to check out our giveaway. It is the Nick Fury box and the Shadowland Daredevil and Electra box. And that ends on May the 4th. So whoever wins, may the 4th be with you. And we also have a bonus code for this episode, secret code word of boogie people. That's B-O-O-G-E-Y people. And look, if you send me a GIF from Boogie Nights, I won't be upset at you, but include the code word with it too. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anyways, Aaron, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure as always, Will. John, thank you as well for joining me. Mate, always a great time. You know that. Oh, yeah. Party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. Party on, John. Party on, Will. And power down suits. <laughs>